I'm Charlie Penn. And I'm Corey Murray. And you're listening to Yes Girl. They were talking to hashtag Black Woman Journalist Goes, Cameron Hall. Yes. Corey, you know, I love as journalists, Black women journalists, I love that we got to talk to Cameron Hall because she's a whole icon to us. Girl, icon, all the things. And let me just pause and say, if, if the audience, if you all hear a lot of noise, Unfortunately, like I've said before, I live on the loudest street in Brooklyn. They're doing huge <laughs> construction outside my window. It's still summer here, so my windows are up. So if you guys hear a little bang, just know that. But So forgive the outside noise. But I totally agree with you, Charlie Penn. And Tamron Hall not only is Black woman journalist goals, media goals, all the things, but she got the exclusive of the week with Andrew Gilliam. You know, that political star, superstar that was out of Florida. And, you know, she got him on record saying um, that he's not, that he doesn't identify gay, but he's identifying bisexual. It was really interesting because of that whole drama that unfolded with him earlier this year. But the thing I saw on Twitter afterwards has really made me pause and, and, and rethink when we hear this kind of news, because some people were saying that they wish that people's sexuality wouldn't be breaking news. Mm. which is actually really cool because I hear that, you know, I hear that. It's like, we should make it more, it should be a normal thing to not care about who someone is sleeping with. So, but I do still congratulate Tamron Hall for coming out the gate with such an interesting story. And it really reminds me of why I fell in love with her in the first place was her way of handling these delicate news stories. You know, Corey, you really got me thinking because I remember all of the uh, headlines with Niecy. Niecy Nash comes out and gets married to a woman. You know, like it was very much like we need to give you this news separately. It could have just been. That's correct. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Niecy Nash and Jessica Beth got married. Get married. Yeah. Like it could have just said that, but you're right. It's still news. I wonder how much of that is about fame, but that's another conversation. That's like how much is it just when you're really famous, every little thing you do is news versus if, you know, you found out your neighbor was bisexual, wouldn't be news. You know, it's got me thinking it's a little bit of a segue, but not really. But I want to tip toe into the Auntie Cella that happened, okay, between Gladys Knight and Pay LaBelle, because I'm thinking when they were coming up, they didn't have to deal with this kind of stuff. Mm-mm. That is a nice transition. It really was. I mean, but it but it really it really was about their their artistry, their music. Their work. It was no thing of. I'll be honest with you. I never knew Gladys Knight's child's name until Pay LaBelle kept saying it. You know what? You're right. Their personal lives. Their personal. Li- yeah. I know when Gladys was talking about her ex husband. I mean, uh, not Gladys Patty, Miss Patty, when she was talking about her ex husband and all that. I was like, oh, let's pull up for the tea, because they these are things we may not know. They're not, no. And then what I still appreciated too, as much as they were spilling tea, it was still, they wiped it up pretty quickly. It was even when Patty mentioned um, the story for On My Own and with Michael McDonald, she said, but I'm going to tell you that later. Oh, we were like, girl, tell us now. It's but not the place. that's not the way they came up. They're like, yeah. no, this is for us. This is yeah. for us to discuss. It's true. And I appreciate that it was a classy evening. You know, I was here for, like I told you earlier, girl, Patty's shoe changes. I believe I saw four. <laughs> the mirror that began trending on Twitter. But I love the showmanship of it. You know, I was kind of wondering what to, you know, wondering what would we get? 
with Gladys and Patty. But when those diss videos dropped, I was like, oh, this is serious. Did you see them? Diss videos? I missed yes, that. Yes, they Ooh. each did a diss video. And it was, <laughs> girl. Oh, you mean the pre, like the commercials for it. But there was, they were dissing each other at the end. I need to, um, you know what? I saw, I saw Gladys with the banana pudding. And <laughs> bet you can't you know do it like this, Patty. Yeah, I. You know what? I kind of missed it because I saw. Oh, they're doing it's like a food, a food thing, and I did not get to see Patty. So I need to go back and see Patty. Oh, Patty came so hard. She made a whole Thanksgiving feast. They scanned the whole table, and she was like, "I've already done it, boo." Because <laughs> Gladys has said, "Bet you can't do it like this." Patty had the pie, and then the whole feast. It was so good. But I love that that once again, black women up on stage. Loving on each other, go sisterhood, respecting each other. I have to admit though, Corey, you know, we always, you know, we air our verses confessions. I didn't know as many Gladys songs as I thought I would. Same. Same. I didn't. I'm, and I, maybe it's age. I don't know. Cause I know she's a whole icon, but I knew my Patty. I knew my Patty, but I didn't know my Gladys. You know, I know we've talked about it before growing up. I, you know, cause Patty was a little bit old. I mean, I'm sorry. Gladys was a little bit older for me to really get into, but I, my mother did play, a lot of the stuff when she was with the Pips, you know, I get it. But Patty, I remember more because Patty, like someone mentioned, like she was, we have to fact check this, but apparently she was 32 when she went solo. Oh, wow. Yes. Right. And so when Patty was going solo, that was when I, you know, I had my own radio. I started listening to my own stuff. And I remember being embarrassed because I didn't love her as much as I love Sade. Like I was a huge Sade fan. I was a huge Anita Baker fan. But girl, you didn't, you would have thought I was a standalone Miss Patty Patty fan last night, Girl. the way she was singing in those songs. Cause I realized these really were the soundtrack to my youth. Like on my own, we've talked about if oh, only we knew, um, new attitude. Like I remember the hairstyle and how it changed. And speaking of memories, cause this is real, right? Kind of lover. I was singing that song and G was like, what, you know that song? And I was like, they used to play this song on, um, on BLS yeah, and Kiss right. FM. And I don't know if I had 87, but it was like a radio hit when I was a kid. Patty was all over the radio. All over, was all the, radio. over the radio. And remember when BET kind of started with their video Yes. Um, oh God. What was the it? Video countdown. The video um, countdown. Video with Soul. Donnie, video, video Soul. Donnie Simpson. Like, that's what another thing that Patty said. She said she only did four videos. I was like, that can't be. But then I realized like, wow, she may have only did four videos. Yeah. And she was really in the culture. Like being a part of that Waiting to Exhale soundtrack, you know, that was for the culture. That like, was major. And, you know, you had Brandy on there, everybody. So it's like when, when I think about it, Patty was more like in my face, mainstream culture all throughout from the age I could first love and li- listen to and love music. I hear it. I hear it. Well, it was a oh good my time. God. It Who's was next? a good time. Who's Who's I know. We people started uh, you know, everyone after a versus loves to uh recommend someone and I joined in on a chat about Stevie Wonder. Somebody, you know, a lot of people felt like there's no one to battle Stevie, but I threw out there that it's a little bit apples and oranges, but and only because this person did not sing, but I threw out Quincy Jones could battle Stevie. Oh, that'd be a great evening. You're right. It's not apples to apples, but it would still be good. It would still be good because what I like about them, think about it, their trajectory, they have both been in the business that long. I Iconic. mean, come on. Quincy Jones worked with Frank Sinatra. 
Yeah. For that matter. But yeah, but I know it would be a little bit off, but I'll be honest with you. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm ready for a blue eyed soul one. Ooh, who are we doing? Are we doing Adele versus, but girl, Amy is gone. I know a lot. See, where I was going to go, because I was still in my, you know, my 80s, my auntie, my auntie high, my auntie Chella. I was like, if George Michael was here, he could have went up against boy George. Ooh. And I would have loved Amy Winehouse and Adele. Oh. But someone did, uh, on my, one of my personal chats, my friends, they said it should be maybe Justin Bieber and then Justin Timberlake. Okay. I, I, oh, really? Well, that's what they were just, you know, just. I can, see it. I can see where they got that. I can see what they did there. I'd be, I'd be team JT all day, you know, because mm-hmm. he did songs with B, like he did all the things. But you're right. I can see what they did there. Okay. So my dream, since we're calling, I want Mariah and Janet. Somebody was saying that it should be Mariah and Mary. So what do you think? I think that Janet and Mariah can go toe to toe from ballads to bops. Like they can, whatever vibe Janet puts out with her track, Mariah's got one. Yes, Mariah obviously is known more for those ballads, but like they both did like duets with our favorite, you know, hip hop artists. Like they have their catalog. You know what I mean? Like we can have Dream Lover and Pleasure Principle. Like the feel, like I just feel like we could have the side-by-side for that era like you were dancing to Janet and singing along to Mariah. So my heart, I think, you know what I mean? Like it, it feels like the same era, which I think is really important. And with Mary, I heard people say Mary and Faith, but I don't think that's it. No, I don't think, yeah, no. But I don't know who Mary. She's in a league all her own. She kind really like is. Rihanna. Yeah. I, I mean, it would have to be Rihanna and Beyonce. I know. Let, but, us, let us pray. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if Monica... If Monica and Brandy can happen. I know. I know. I, I mean, Michelle Obama's up in the room every night at the club versus like at some point, like it is the room to be in. Be was good. It's the room where it happens. The room. Yes. Where it, the room where it happens. Now, speaking of room where it happens, before we get into our conversation with Tamara Hall, we first got to acknowledge that you're going to have a special room this weekend, aren't you? It is Virgo season, Corey. You are correct. <laughs> Can you tell me briefly, what is Virgo season? What is it? What it's is just it? our time, you know, like August 20-something to September 20-something. It's when we reign supreme truly. And it's really important that I, I have to note this. Virgos act up during Virgo season because Virgos are the ultimate chill, lay low, down to earth, go with the flow. It's never our time otherwise. We're not ever going to jump in your light. So when the light is on us, you see what I'm saying? Like this, it's the earth sign thing. So like, this is the time for us to act, you know, out a bit because it's not in our nature to be like, oh, over here, Virgo. No, that's not us. Virgos are always in the cut. Laying low, the ultimate down to earth sign. So I think that's why people act up so much. You know, there's a lot of great Virgos out there. No, Beyonce. 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 Taraji. Hello. Okay. Taraji, did you see her 50th birthday? Like Idris. What 50? Girl. Oh my God. Okay. Oh. Yes. yes, Corey. So I have to say, and you know, I know we're about to get into Tamron, but I will say it's been a little, you know, I usually get very excited for my birthday. I always take the week off. So it should already alarm you that you I'm should. You, and you're always on a trip. You're doing something. Always. And it's been really, I don't know how, have you, you haven't had your birthday in quarantine yet. No, but it's coming. It's but I coming. think I've gotten so used to, I'm, yeah. It's a little I'm already looking for forward to the fact there won't be anything. Right. <laughs> 
exactly. Everything I want to do is probably not safe or socially distant, at least not safe enough for me. And I want to bring everyone I love together, but that's not safe for them. So it's like this weird limbo. I've been thinking like, y'all tell me, what should I do for my birthday? What's safe and and a great way to celebrate a new year of life in 2020? Because you know, that's huge. Let me know, hashtag Yes Girl Podcast. What should I do for my birthday? I'm taking all suggestions. I love a spa. I love a karaoke. But again, all these things don't feel safe. So I'm down for some suggestions. I did get one good one. Somebody said have a little bonfire on the beach. But then now it's trying to get cold. I know. And then New York beaches are closed now. Exactly. They extended some in Jersey, but not this weather is not permitting. But anyway, thank you for the birthday love, Corey. I appreciate you. 919, y'all. 919. Happy birthday. Thank you, sister. All right. Up next, Tamara Hall. Yeah, we're sorry. We're very excited. You know, we I'm were just saying as Black women in media, it's really an honor. Oh, thank you. That means so, the world to me. So we're going to just talk shop all day. A few minutes, but we're talking to you literally on the eve of your next season, season yeah. two of the Cameron Hall show. Won an Emmy award for the first season, but you also have a little bit of news I think that we can share now about some other places you may be this this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. yes, of course. <laughs> yes, yes, there's a lot going. There's so much going on as we're launching into the second season. Um, we just um, are able to now confirm that the show will re-air on the Oprah Winfrey Network, um, which is major for us. Um, major audience. Yes, the own audience is so loyal. We know Queen Sugar, Greenleaf, all of those great shows um, that have aired and are still airing. Um, in fact, Queen Sugar, I think the new premiere is coming up. But so you know, it is. It's such a loyal fan base, and so to air on a local station in you know ninety something percent of the country, and then have the show re-air on this powerful network it is. It's just a joy. It. it it speaks to the growing Tam fam and the fact that this talk show that um, we started with a hope and a dream of having real conversation has expanded and grown in the second season. Ah, Tam fam. I love it. <laughs> so can we talk about how you've had to shift? Everyone's had to pivot, right, in COVID-19 times. How has that changed the way you film the show and what has it been like recording remotely? You know, we did uh, five months from the basement of my home, which I'm at home right now because I rushed from the studio because, you know, as glamorous TV as it seems, and I'm here with my cute off-the-shoulder shirt, my child is right nearby. Well, he's not there right now. We've taken him away out of this room, so he wouldn't be noisy. (laughs) But, um, you know, it's juggling. We're now back in the studio, but with a smaller staff in studio all of our producers are still working from home so much of our meetings are zoom and much of the connection that we would normally have in the studio in a powwow room going over scripts going over things um that's changed and and even the pull of home has changed you know i I was here in the house taping the show for all those months and while i was so happy to be here with my husband and my child and spending time that we didn't think we would ever have in a difficult moment, making the best of a bad situation to quote Gladys Knight. But, you know, it is the reality. I would be here, and if he was crying, I'd get distracted. 
you know, or if I heard something, the doorbell, the Amazon box coming, I'm like, which box is that? <laughs> now I'm in studio, present, aware, and now this new reality of can you do a talk show without the live audience? Well, our answer is we have a virtual audience of people from all over the country who are going to be watching just as if they were inside, plus the folks watching from home. So it's, it's we're making our way forward inch by inch. Now, one thing that's also been happening this year, Tam, is, Tamara, is that, you know, call me Tam. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> Part of Tam fam. Tam fam uh, over here. But the racial awakening this country has had and these com hard conversations that we had that we know that you're, have never shied away from giving your hard news background, but in covering it from home, what has been the most memorable show that you've produced kind of covering the Black Lives Matter movement and how will you address it in this um, upcoming season? Well, I mean, it's interesting that we call it a racial awakening because I woke up 50 years black. Okay. Amen. And, so, Amen. and so for me, I, I, an awakening of what, you know, I think that you are a lot younger than me, but I was your age when Rodney King happened. You know, there was a huge video, you know, back in the day they had a camcorder that was as big as my whole room. And, and on a grainy, right, room on the side, <laughs> on a grainy video, we watched a black man being beaten within the inch of his life. This time, 25 years later, we watch a black man's life escape his body in real time in a clearer visual than that grainy camera. And who could dispute it? You know, when I was starting out in the business, People were like, well, what did Rodney King do before? What did he do after? What he must have done something with um, George Floyd. We watch the beginning, the middle, and the end of this man's life. And so me and my team uh, responded with a show called Hear Us Now. And it was important for us to hear us now, those young people like yourself, who are saying it's a different awakening than what I experienced, me, Tamara Hall, when I was 27. So yes, there's an awakening despite what we know, you know, Henry Louis Gates, the history of black people in America is one of those brilliant documentaries you can watch. This journey and this brutality of it is not new, but your new voices, your new beautiful black voices in this spectrum, give it texture and flavor. So we, we wanted a, a new voice. And one of the voices, in fact, that we're going to revisit is a police officer in North Carolina. He spoke up as a black police officer on his struggle and he ultimately lost his job. And so we're having him back on our show. He was on our show, still as an officer, speaking up. So, you know, wow. the, the power of a platform is not lost on me. It's not lost on me as a Black woman. It's not lost on me as a daughter of a man who was a sharecropper. And my mother actually, yeah, the granddaughter of a man who was a sharecropper. And my mother was a single mom. So this platform is important. And I'll always use it to the best of my ability to bring light um and also to um you know bring joy and to bring a break that we need too so it, it's 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 something that i respect and we will always use it wisely yeah we need those joy breaks and i love that you said you know what like, this is something we've always known my dad's been saying he's 76 he's been saying the neighbors just woke up y'all <laughs> and we got to reintroduce them to the neighborhood yeah, yeah, you know, and, you and, know? And, and the neighbors you know are an awakening of young white people, but also yeah. young black people too, Absolutely. who think that, oh, okay, that was back then, or this doesn't happen now. One of the guests on our show here is now is a young 
beautiful African-American boy who actually was adopted by a white family. He lived in a suburb all his life. You know, he's a quintessential, I mean, he's going to kill me for calling him this, but he's that Carlton, but, but cooler. 17, track star, adorable. And he said, you know, I would be at the parties and suddenly a hip hop song come on and the N word and everybody white at the party would look at him. And he's in kind of this bubble. He said, I lived in an all white world. I didn't think this existed. And he was something inside of him was ignited that he started a protest within his neighborhood. And a lot of his friends he thought were his friends did not join him, but then others came to his side. So here's this young man who you know, is black uh, by no question, but had lived a life where his white mom finally said to him, I don't know how to have this talk with you that they're discussing on TV. I'm a white woman. How do I do it? You know, it just broke my heart. But he is now this warrior in educating his peers about what it's like to be him. Well, like you said, it's so important, right, that we all use our voices. And thank you for, you know, acknowledging that we all have a voice to add. But I know I speak for Corey and myself when I say as Black women in media, just as we said when we opened the show, you have, you are just goals. Right. You are you've always been that voice and you've always been outspoken and we look up to you for that. And we know that we don't often see enough black women in national TV spaces, daytime spaces, um, you know, so you really are a trailblazer. So what is it like to be one of the very few and what does that mean to you to blaze those trails? It doesn't feel good to be one of the few um, because I shouldn't be. Um, but it feels great that I can talk to the two of you and um, that we can together collaborate on how to be better and do better, not just in spaces that are mainstream media, but are sp- there are spaces that are black, you know, media. I, when I was your age again, I feel like I'm 199, I keep saying this, BET had a newscast every night, Ed Gordon. You know, and I've heard many people say, where's our newscast? Where is that part of the component? Um, I think that, you know, it's a multi-layer conversation. Um, there are, my child was crying. Uh, there are moments where uh, I feel very, very positive and I see it. And then there are other times that um, I get frustrated because I see mediocre talent rising or I see my darling friend, Joy Ann Reed, battle for so long to get the seat that she was always supposed to be in. But she got there and she's doing great. And all of a sudden, there are record-breaking numbers, ratings for her. And people, oh, wow, who knew? I knew. That's who knew. And she knew. And glad you came to the party. But, you know, I'm very positive about it. I don't believe that everyone in mainstream media is trying to keep us out of the room. I don't believe that our allies are just our color. Um, But I recognize the importance, though, of us speaking up. Because there have been many times that I've sat in the room and I didn't know if I should speak up. You know, I'm happy that you're saying that now, but here with my show and I have my own voice, I didn't always know that I could bet on myself. I mean, this show started because I said, I have to bet on myself. I have lost my job, but that's what we try to do. Even with our show and in season two is give people an opportunity to say who they are, to bet on themselves and to tell their stories. And that's a part of my story, betting on y'all, betting on us and betting that I can help ultimately end up with this platform and this show in season two that I'm so excited about our career week. What would you say, Tamara, has been the moment because while, like you said, like, you know, you've had to pivot your career a bit, 
was having your own talk show always in the cars? And if it was, what has been the moment since your show where you're like, I am glad I have this platform because I've been able to tell this particular story? Because it reminds me of something I read so long ago that when it comes to newsrooms, it's a bunch of, and this was years ago, but it was a bunch of white men at the table telling, deciding what was going to go on the front page. Well, that's still true. Yeah. Um, because all of the major networks are led by men and not just, you know, uh, white men, um, you know, no black men, you know, no black women, no Latino, no Asian. Um, and that is a problem that as the Oscars and other organizations have to come to a reckoning that has to happen in the news and it has at different times. Um, you know, for me, it was being able to be on uh, during the COVID crisis and have an African-American woman whose husband had gone in for a haircut, her fiance, and he died and have her look into the camera of my show and say to my people, we've got to understand the numbers are getting worse in our community and begging people to put their priorities in the right place. And it can't be to get a haircut or get your nails done. She was one of the very first ones to implore people to listen. And I have that platform to be able to do that is, um, it, it, it is, is what's awesome you know, about it. And that's what we're doing this season, not just with Black Stories, you know, because listen, I, I remember when I first launched this show, there were people who said, oh, you know, white women don't want to watch a black woman or Latinas only relate to, and I was like, wait a minute, people are people. And we talk to each other. So while I'm unapologetically a black woman and my journey is that, I know that this show gives me the ability to talk to everyone because there was a black woman who lost her husband, but in the end of the day, she lost her husband. And if you can't see the love and the pain in that past race, then something is wrong with you. So a lot of our conversations are from my perspective, but they are universal. You know what, Tamron, one of the things, you know, we've noticed a lot recently, I think we've all noticed, is in 2020, we're seeing so many more Black stories being shared in non-Black places. But thank you for having a home for these, the authentic storytelling. Because um, it is better that we tell our own stories. I deeply believe that. Um, we do it more authentically. And I'm just curious, you know, what your thoughts are on the sudden wave of Black news coverage in more mainstream places, more so than we've seen before. I don't actually have an opinion of it, because honestly, I don't see it. Mm -hmm. I don't. I really don't. I think I see it in stories like protests. Got it. Or Black pain. Uh, but I don't. I don't often see the multi-layered, which is what I think our show does very well. I think we show people in general in a multi-layered journey. I mean, our premiere episode is Andrew Gillum and his wife, RJ. Um, you know, he's the youngest political star out of Florida. He was just a sliver from becoming the governor of one of the most important states um, on the list, potential VP pick. And now this black couple, um, are gonna be on our show, not because they're black, but sadly because of something he went through and how it impacted their family. Um, and so for us, it's about the conversation and where it takes us. It's important to me that when we book our guests and our experts, we show the wide range of life. But as far as uh, the mainstream, I mean, listen, I can tell you, I, I love Lovecraft Country. Um, uh, what's the show with Regina on HBO that I was obsessed with? The, 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 the Watchmen. Uh, Watchmen. I was obsessed Watchmen. with Watchmen. I was stunned that many people had never heard of Tulsa, but I'm from Texas. 
Right. You know, I was stunned when Juneteenth started trending. I'm like, uh, Juneteenth. All of us. I'm like, <laughs> we couldn't believe it. I remember when people would say, I don't want to go to the park. It's Juneteenth. They're going to be shooting. I'm like, wait a minute, what? And now it's this illustrious holiday. But, you know. National. I, national like, holiday. National, which national. I'm so proud of as a Texan. But, you know, suddenly there are people telling me about Juneteenth. And I'm like, what? I will show you Juneteenth birthday parties for me. You know what I mean? Come on. Like, it, was, it was amazing. And then when I kind of got my chip off my shoulder about it, because I did have one for a moment, because I was like, look at all these phony people now pretending to know what Juneteenth is. That's our holiday. You know, but then I said, no, you know, listen, I'm happy that people are recognizing what it meant, I, you know, and educating themselves to understand. There were people who thought that that was the day that slavery ended. I'm like, no, 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 no. So it gave us a moment to educate other people and our own about our history. Absolutely. So, I th- you know, you have these little nuggets and you just move on. But I haven't seen a groundswell. I, I, I would love to tell you that I have, but I've not. Yeah. As a fellow Texan myself, I found myself this Juneteenth. It was the first year that I was adamant about getting a T-shirt. Because before I was just like, really? I was like, well, I was like wait a minute, I think I need a Juneteenth T-shirt. Wait, I, listen, I went on Amazon. I was like, I need a Juneteenth banner. I literally, I'm like, I celebrated Juneteenth my entire life. And it never occurred to me, the only thing that I've ever had Juneteenth related probably was a family reunion. Like our, it's like the Mitchell family reunion, Juneteenth, 1987. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. But as I said, when I took a step back from the irony of it, I said, you know, don't be annoyed that it's a hashtag or that people are now jumping on the bandwagon. Be inspired that exactly. people now recognize what it means uh, nationally what it means to black people. And also it reminds us of the pain of it, that there were people who were free for years and did not know it. I had no idea. So that's what I thought, okay, great, 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 great. Okay, Tamara, so before we let you go, I've got okay. as, as mom to mom, because yeah. I was reading on a leanin.org report that women are maxing out and burning out due to the increased workload from housework to caregiving. You're, you've been filming an entire show, like you said, from your basement. Um, and you just had your first child last year and I hear him in the background. But how ha- what has been your advice for overwhelmed moms? I know on your show, oh my gosh. talk a lot I, about listen. life hacks, but seriously, yeah. Tam, how you been doing? Okay. And looking fabulous for the off the show. Okay. Well, I'll be honest with you. First of all, you hear my son, you also hear his name. I cannot lie. And I, I've wanted to hide it. And I've, I've been very honest from the day one about that I have somebody who lives with us and helps me with my child. I grew up with a village of women around me. My mom, as I said, was a single mom. So she would drop me off at my aunt sister's house. who would take me to school. And then my aunt Katie Mae would pick me up from school. Then my other aunt Josephine would take me over the summer. So I was, those are real names. Those are not made up Queen Sugar names. These are the women who <laughs> raised me. And um, it was a village of people who helped my, helped my mother raise me. I live 1,528 miles or so from my home. I wish my mom was in New York to help me juggle this. That's not my reality. I took a leap of faith and moved away from my center, my tribe, who could help me raise this child. And so to ignore that I have a nanny or a babysitter is me not recognizing that there's a whole amazing Tobagan woman downstairs helping me with my child and I respect her for it and I wouldn't be here. So that's helped me. Now she doesn't work every day. 
Now I have them by myself and my husband. And what I have uh, learned as of late is trying not to do everything. I mean, I tried, my mother even told me when she stayed here for about a month, she goes, you need to let him follow through and do things. You can't do everything. And he wants to, but I'm trying to be superwoman. I'm like, wait a minute, I can put the toy together while reading the script, while talking to them. And I simply cannot. And it doesn't mean that I'm a failure because I can't. And the other day, my son woke up and I told my husband, I said, like, you got to go up and get him. Because I actually, as much as I love his face and I see it in my sleep, I needed five minutes of not seeing him. I was like, I just not, I, I just need break from him for a few minutes to collect my thoughts of who I am. And I don't associate womanhood with motherhood. I've been a woman for 50 years. I've been a mom for a year. So I don't conflate the two because I don't think suddenly I became a woman because I had this child. I became a mom because I had this child. I'm wholly a woman without him. But as a mom, you know, I wish I could tell you there was a secret sauce. Trust me, I had a whole makeup team make me look like this. I will show you pictures of me during the COVID. I look like James Brown on his arrest picture. Uh-uh. Um, so <laughs> it, is it is true. And I love James Brown. He's one of my heroes of all time. That was a difficult time for him in his life, but that's what I look like. Um, but I, I'm just trying to find the balance and be the best I can. I have good days where I'm just like, we're going to get through this. And I'm so happy. And there are days where I'm in a ball crying saying, my God, I have a baby in a pandemic. And I'm so afraid of like what happens. And I think about all the little kids who have to go to school, um, all the single parents like my mom who have to make the decision to let their child go to school because at some point you just can't stay home from work. You've got to get back out there and get your hustle on. So, you know, it's complex, but I, I just try to find the balance. I have to recognize in what you have to tell yourself, you cannot do it by yourself. You cannot, I don't care who you are, you can't. It will break you. And we don't want that to happen. So I'm, listen, I'm new to this. I'm a whole 15 months into it. I'm still <laughs> trying to teach my child to answer to his name. So I get some things right because he can swim, but he's not answering to his name. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you're so right. I, sorry, one quick thing, Charlie. I will say this: when people talk, ask me how do you manage, I'm like, you need a support system because mm, yeah. you can't do it alone. So, I, I, I even take it a step further. I'm like, if you got to move someplace closer to it, or if you can afford to have yeah. care, you, you can't yeah. do it alone. You but. can't. And like I said, I mean, listen, I, I, I didn't want to tell people I had a nanny because we know people. Or somebody else raising her child. She waited 500 years, and it's not that at all. You know. And I, as I said, I wish, but this is where life brought me. Um, my husband is very present. We share responsibilities, but just culturally for me, having her help me reminds me of how I was raised. And without all of those women, I wouldn't be here. And I know she makes me a better mom and makes him a better child. And he's yeah. probably eating some good rice. Listen, <laughs> She wants to make him some porridge. I was like, my child yeah. is already chubby. And he, I said, you those kids in Trinidad and Tobago can run out on the beach and run this off. He is a big porridge. I'm like, oh my God. This is amazing. Oh, well, I was just going to ask you how we're celebrating our birthdays. Because I'm 919. Oh. I'm right behind you, sis. My okay. Virgo sister. So here's what I'm doing now. I plan on not celebrating this year. So that means I'm 49 until I can have a proper birthday party. Yes, yes. I'm holding off. So <laughs> I am 49. Do not wish me happy 50th. Wish me 49 plus one. Okay. And then I will have a happy 50th. Now my show, we do have a very special episode planned. I don't know what they, I do know Naomi Campbell is there. I don't know the rest of the show. 
but we're celebrating my birthday, September 16th, Tamron Hall Show. It's one of the fun things that they have planned. But honestly, I want to be able to have a birthday party with my friends, to have a drink, to just hug. So I'm holding out so we can do that. And Lord willing, that will be very soon. Amen. I love it. Yes. We all feel that way about our celebrations, Cameron. Yeah, right. yeah. I don't want another Zoom party. It was a few <laughs> I know. <months> ago. <laughs> Over it. Zoom out. Zoom out a birthday party. Cameron, okay. thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Cicely Tyson said, never say guys. We are ladies. Thank you, ladies. Unless you're thank you, ladies. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate it. And best of luck on everything you're doing. Thank you. All right. Thank you. you. Special thanks to our guest, Cameron Hall. See you next week, guys. Be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Yes Girl, such as our conversations with Raphael Sadiq, Kelly Rowland, Regina King, and Fantasia. You can check out our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, and Google Play. And while you're there, be sure to rate us and review us. See you next week. Bye.